Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Employment Law Podcast brought to you by EI Legal. My name is Simon Obi. I'm the principal lawyer here, and I'm here with my colleague Ahana Lakia, who's a senior employment lawyer within the team. Hi, Ahana. Hi, Simon. Um, this is a regular podcast that we do aimed at in-house counsel, HR professionals, and anyone with an interest in employment law. So today we are talking about record-keeping obligations under the Fair Work Act. Um, we also have a downloadable resource which summarises employers' obligations and has a checklist of um, the things that employers need to do. So please head over to um, the Employment Innovations website for that one. So www.employmentinnovations.com and there should be a tab um, under resources where you can find that checklist. So without further ado, let's jump straight into it. So record keeping, uh, Ahana is a subject close to your heart. I think many people would say it's not the most thrilling area of employment law, but it's certainly an important one. Yeah, thanks, Simon. I mean, I don't know why I have this reputation of loving record keeping. I think it must be because um, I've ended up in a position where I've provided um, clients with advice on record keeping quite often. But yes, like you said, it's not the most thrilling of topics, but that said, it is very important because it does attract the same level of sort of consequences under the Fair Work Act where you don't keep proper records. So I'll try and keep it as brief and simple as possible because I don't want to bore you all with what records you need to keep. Um, but I guess in summary, it's important to know for employers that you're required to maintain certain records regarding your employees. Um, and like, I guess the most important is that these records are, need to be sort of legible. Um, they need to be written in English. Um, they can't be altered unless they're altered for the purpose of correcting an error. And they cannot, most importantly, be false or misleading. So the most common types of records that employers are required to keep are, record, are pay records. Um, the most important, the first thing is, I guess, details in relation to the employees. So um, the employee's full name, the commencement date, um, whether the employee is full-time, part-time or casual, um, or whether the employee is permanent or temporary. And these sorts of records are most commonly held in, for example, if you issue a contract of employment to an employee, that will have, you know, the employee's status, name, um, and their commencement date. So that's quite important. The, in respect to pay records, um, employers are required to keep records of the rates of pay that they pay to employees. Um, if employees are paid an hourly rate, then it would obviously be the what hourly rate they pay. But if someone's paid a salary, um, it must include the salary and also the gross and net amounts. So what you're actually paying to the employee, the gross amount, and then there'll be a net amount after any deductions made from that gross amount. 
the other most, I guess, important thing is that there needs to be um, any sort of separately identifiable entitlement that's paid to an employee that needs to be clearly outlined. So say, for example, um, for sales employees, they'll be paid a base salary, but they'll also be paid commissions. So employees need to keep records of any commission payments, any bonuses, um, and for casual employees, any sort of loading. Also, for employees who are paid under an award, there's all sorts of sort of additional payments that are usually paid. Say, for example, annual leave loading, um, penalty rates for work performed on weekends, overtime rates, meal allowances, basically anything that you pay to employees, you need to keep a record um, for those sorts of things. This obviously won't necessarily arise where you're paying an employee an hourly, uh, an all-encompassing hourly rate um, or an annual salary. But where you are paying sort of separately identifiable amounts, you need to keep records of those things. The other thing, I mean, I could, the other thing is hours of work. What I was going to say is these sorts of things usually are best kept when you issue a payslip to an employee, it will all be identified on there. And you are required to sort of have, um, there are separate obligations in respect to payslips, but we'll get to that. But the other thing, of course, when you're paying an employee these amounts, it has to be with reference to hours of work. So in the case of most importantly, casual employees, you need to keep a record of their hours. And some we were talking about this before, um, which a lot of people are surprised about, but you employees are required to keep records in respect to overtime rates. Um, do you want to talk a bit about that, Simon, considering you found that so interesting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's something which sort of catches out a lot of em employers. So just to be clear what, what the obligations are um, in terms of records about hours of work, if you have a, a casual employee or, or a part-time employee who's doing irregular hours, as Ahana sets, you need to keep a record of um, the actual hours they work. Um, but there's also a separate obligation to keep a record of the number of hours um, where an employee works overtime and is entitled to be paid an overtime rate. So the number of overtime hours they work or alternatively the start time and finish time of, of any overtime worked. And that obligation is going to most commonly arise for employees covered by a modern award. Um, Award-free employees aren't generally entitled to overtime um, payments, but all modern awards have provisions for employees to be paid overtime when they work over 38 hours a week usually, or there might be a, a daily overtime limit. And this obligation to record the number of overtime hours they work arises even if the employee is paid for that uh, overtime through an annual salary or through a uh, rolled up or all-inclusive flat hourly rate of pay. So even if, which is very common, um, an award-covered employee is paid a salary which has been calculated to meet all the entitlements that they that they might be entitled to so to cover occasional overtime that they must do the employer still needs to keep a record of of 
the actual overtime hours worked um, in order to comply with their record keeping obligations under the Fair Work Act. And that is something which um, catches out a lot of employers um, and, and something which not, uh, not everyone understands. I suppose a, a related um, thing to consider is the annualised wage or annualised salary provisions that now appear in, in lots of modern awards and that were kind of significantly amended um, uh, last March. So those provisions allow an employer to pay an annual salary and to average out the entitlements an employee is entitled to over the year. So as long as the employee is paid over the course of a year, a salary which is at least equivalent to all the minimum award obligations added up, the employer will have, have met their obligations. If, if you don't use those annualised salary provisions within the award, um, there's no general ability to just pay an annual salary and, and average out the entitlements over the year, your obligation as an employer will be to make sure that in each pay period, the employee is paid sufficiently, whether the pay period is weekly, fortnightly or monthly. You can't just underpay in pay period one and overpay in pay period two and, and, and things cancel each other out. If you want to do that, there's a lot of awards allow you to do it, but you have to do it in reliance on the annualised wage clause in the modern award and the kind of um, the, the, the thing that you need to do if you want to use those, those clauses is, is jump through several hoops to do so. And one of the requirements there is that you keep a record of the um, hours that the employee works including um, break times and that the employee signs that record or, or acknowledges that it is correct electronically in each and every pay period or roster cycle. So if you want to, um, you know, underpay in one period, overpay in the next, but over the year, um, work it all out, that's fine, but, but you need to follow these kind of more onerous record keeping obligations in the award. But just, just to be absolutely clear, even if you're not doing that and you're paying an annual salary just in reliance on a contractual provision, if the employee is an award-covered employee and, and they um, work any overtime hours, even if you're paying for that overtime through, through a salary, you need to keep a record of those overtime hours worked. So that's, yeah, that's probably as as complicated as we're going to get today, but, but that is, is definitely something which catches a lot of people out. Yeah, thanks, Simon. On to our next exciting type of record, um, leave. One of, I guess it's really important for the employer, I mean, the Fair Work regulations require employer to keep leave records. Um, why it's really important is because there is an obligation at the end of an employee's employment where it's a permanent employee to pay out any accrued but untaken leave. Um, so employees, obviously, full-time and part-time employees. Yes, Simon? Uh, yeah, just I would just make the point. It's it's not all types of leave. It, it's uh, annual leave, sorry. leave is, is, <laughs> yes. is, is, is the main one. You know, personal and carers leave doesn't get paid out. Um, 
long service leave does in in certain circumstances but annual leave is always paid out correct um so i guess the obligation for record keeping is for employers to keep a record of any leave taken by the employee and the employee's leave balance from time to time and the reason i guess from an annual leave perspective it's so important is because like i mentioned before um, at the end of an employee's employment um, you have employers have an obligation to pay out any accrued but untaken annual leave so it's really important for employers to accurately keep records of um, any leave accruals and when employees take certain leave the other obligation in respect to leave records is that employers are required to keep obligations in relation to cashing out of leave um, where employees cash out leave or where they take leave in advance. So they need, they need to keep a copy of the agreement made to cash out the amount of leave and a record of the rate of payment for the amount of leave that was cashed out and the date that payment was made. Certain modern awards um, will actually provide for employer and employees to agree to the taking of leave in advance. So, for example, under the Clark's Award, um, it provides that the employer must keep a copy of the agreement um, as an employee record of the cashing out and an employee taking a leave in advance. So that's the leave records that employers are required to keep. The other important one is superannuation. Um, so employers are required to obviously make superannuation contributions on behalf of the employee, but they also must keep records of the amount of contributions made, the date on which the contribution was made, the period over which the contributions were made, um, the name of the fund into which the contribution was made, and the basis on which the employee became liable to make the contribution. So including a record of any sort of election made by an employee to have superannuation contributions paid to a particular fund and the date of that election. Um, usually that happens when an employee sort of starts their employment, they'll nominate um, a fund. So that's important to have records in that respect. The next one is IFA. Simon, do you wanna talk about that one? Sure. So people um, probably will be aware an IFA is an individual flexibility arrangement, which is a, a written agreement that's entered into by employers and individual employees, which varies the terms of, of um, a modern award. And it's quite prescriptive, the form that the IFA is in and which provisions of the award can be varied. And there's a requirement that the employee is better off overall under that agreement, but it does allow for some flexibility as to how awards operate. Um, employers need to keep a copy of any IFA entered into and um, also a copy of uh, any notice or, or agreement that terminates an IFA. So that's fairly straightforward. Um, on a similar theme, I suppose, if an employer has entered into a guarantee of annual earnings where an employee is promised um, a annual salary over the high income threshold um, in order for the employer to not be obligated to provide employees um, 
the benefits under a modern award. So there is this kind of limited ability to sort of avoid the provisions of a modern award for high earning employees. A copy of that guarantee of annual earnings needs to be um, kept and the date of any um, revocation of that guarantee. Simon. All right, so that brings us to the employee's termination. Um, when an employee is terminated, um, whether they've resigned or for whatever reason, an employee is required to keep a record in respect to that termination. So specifically the nature of that termination, whether it's by consent, whether by notice, um, whether an employee has been summarily dismissed, so say, for example, for serious misconduct, or by some other manner, an employer must keep a record of why the termination took place. And also, um, this is something that surprises a lot of people, an employer must keep a record of the name of the person who acted to terminate the employment. So the relevant decision maker's um, name should be recorded. So that's in respect to termination. There's also... Um, records in respect to transfer of business that catches certain employers out, um, which is quite important to know. So where there's a transfer of employment, and this is a whole, I guess, topic in itself, so I won't talk about it too much, um, but any new employer, so say, for example, you're purchasing, you're an employer who's purchasing another business and you're going to be taking on all the previous employees and there's going to be a transfer of employment, um, you as a new employer must ask the old employer to give copies of all employee records concerning, you know, like I mentioned before, maybe their contract, um, pay records, all records that the old employer has, you must ask for copies of those. And the old employer actually has an obligation to provide those copies, copy of the records to the new employer. So this is only in a trans employment type situation. Um, and it is, I guess, whether an employee, a transfer of business has occurred, um, depends on a number of factors. And now that I said, it's quite a complicated um, matter. So if you have any sort of questions in that respect, feel free to reach out to us. But yes, it is important to also keep, important to keep in mind that um, new employers who are taking on liability from old employers keep records, um, any employee records. So those are the types of records that your um, employers are required to keep. I did sort of jump the gun a little bit. Um, so I might just sort of recap, I guess, the obligation to make and retain records. Um, as I mentioned previously, you know, there's certain types of records which we've gone through, um, but an employee is required to make and then keep for a continuous seven-year period all these employee records that we discussed. Um, and cases actually suggest that the requirement to keep employee records for seven years, it's calculated from the date of entry of the record. So say, for example, you terminate an employment, employee's employment today, you then must keep that record for another seven years. Um, so that's a very important um, consideration. The other important thing to know about record keeping, and I mentioned this briefly early on, is that records must not be false or misleading in any way. So if, for example, an employer realises that there's an error in the record, then the employer also has an obligation to correct that as soon as possible. Um, and you, I guess an employer shouldn't necessarily falsify um, 
an employee record um, just to sort of throw off the fail. I guess I'll talk about the fail ombudsman, but um, you, an employer must not knowingly falsify an employee record. Should we then talk about inspection and copying of records since I mentioned fail ombudsman, Simon? Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. So um, I guess, yeah, the, the Fair Work Ombudsman has some broad ranging powers in respect of employee records. There's an, a, a right to inspect um, copies of records uh, um, when they audit businesses. So if they attend um, a premises, they have uh, a right to inspect uh, employee records on site. Um, and also they have a right to request uh, employers to provide employee records as, as part of an investigation. So it's it's quite common um, when they're looking into business um, that they will send the business a, a notice to produce all, all relevant employee records. And it's it's I guess it's low low hanging fruit for the um, Fair Work Ombudsman in, in a sense, but. If, if they do that and the employer doesn't have uh, complete records, then that is going to be an easy um, penalty um, for them to pursue through the courts, um, should they be so minded to do so. And the, the penalties for, for breaching record keeping requirements are the same as for breaching other provisions of, of the Fair Work Act. It's um, a maximum penalty per contravention of $13,320 for an individual who's involved in the contravention. So that could be a director or, um, you know, someone in HR or payroll, someone with responsibility for record keeping. Um, uh, and for the business itself, the maximum uh, penalty is $66,600. Um, where there's a serious contravention of the Fair Work Act, so some kind of deliberate or, or um, you know, um, fraudulent activity, those maximum penalties are increased tenfold. So for a company, the, the maximum um, penalty per contravention goes up to $666,000. So huge, huge penalties can be awarded in, in those cases. And um, also, in, in certain circumstances, uh, fraudulent record keeping, so deliberately falsifying things or deliberately withholding information, um, could also be a criminal offence. Yeah. Hannah, are you going to jump in? Yeah, well, what I was going to say is, I guess, where, as you mentioned, fair work ombudsmen, um, they have powers to sort of come into the workplace and investigate um, you know, any sort of even not just record keeping, but underpayments that are occurring in the workplace. They also then have standing to actually commence litigation in the Federal Circuit Court, which is when it gets a bit complicated. And that's where employees, I guess, are liable to, if they're found to have not kept proper records, they'll then be liable to those penalties that you mentioned before, which is why it's so important to keep the proper records. And then if, you know, if the federal government is investigating you, don't, I guess, panic if you don't have the proper records and don't not comply. It's very important to comply with the Fair Work Ombudsman. Um, and at times they will sort of help you get the records to the, um, I guess, 
they will help you fix them. Um, and if you don't listen to them or if you ignore them, that's when I guess you can find yourself in court, which is not a place where employers want to be. So yeah, fair work ombudsman will have standing to actually bring proceedings against employers, which is important to know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, you can end up in court either because the fair work ombudsman has taken it upon themselves to bring proceedings or, or an employee has directly. And um, the other thing to say on that topic is there were some amendments made to the Fair Work Act in 2017, which um, mean that when an employee is alleging an underpayment, um, if an employer doesn't have complete or accurate records, there's a presumption that the employee is, is, is uh, telling the, the truth about their underpayment claim, say, and the, and the onus of proof shifts to the employer to convince the court that what the employee is saying is, is not correct. So usually in court proceedings, it's up to the claimant, up to the employee to prove their case. But if an employer hasn't got um, complete records, the, the Fair Work Act now says that it's assumed that the employee is, is telling the truth and, and the employer will need to kind of rebut that presumption. So uh, it used to be the case that um, an employer could say, well, look, sorry, I, I don't have any records. You know, how, how, how can you prove that you've worked all these hours that you claim that you did and you weren't paid properly? That's, that's now been taken away. If you don't have records, it's just going to be presumed that you're you're in the wrong. So that is um, something else employers should be aware of. The other thing, um, just taking a step back, I suppose, just to highlight to businesses is it's not only fair work ombudsman inspectors that have a, have a right to attend premises and inspect records. Certain um, trade union officials also have um, a right to attend work premises and inspect employee records too. So be aware of that as well. Um, what else can we um, talk about, Ahana? There's, well, the most thrilling of them all, pay slips. Um, there is a further obligation under the um, Fair Work regulations for employers to make and then issue pay slips to employees. So, um, Employers actually need to provide payslips to employee within one business day, one working day of paying an amount to the employee. Um, and again, that payslip must not be false and misleading. So in respect to the payslip, it must have all those um, things that I mentioned before. So, you know, what salary they're paid, reference to any sort of specific identifiable amount, for example, penalties, working on weekends, um, any allowances, the super paid, and it should also, um, for best practice, reference any award that the employee is paid under. So it's very important to, for employers to issue proper payslips. What's quite interesting is that it, it doesn't actually, the Fair Work regulations don't actually make clear how um, employers are required to provide the payslip. So you could still do it physically. You can still do it in hard copy uh, form by posting it to the employee or leaving it in. Um, I don't know, their work locker, but um, these days, I guess, electronic form is the best way. Yeah, um, that's right. 
The other thing I thought we should probably mention, just stepping back to employee records, but I think the obligation in PaySearch is probably the same, is, is an employee has a right to inspect or access um, or get copies of, of all their employee records. So, um, and, I, and I think that applies to payslips as well. Um, so if, and this right applies to former employees as well. So if you get a request as an employer for an employee to inspect their records or have access to their records, you need to either um, make the records available for inspection within three business days at the um, workplace premises if they're stored there, or you can send copies within 14 days of the request being made. So this can be a really burdensome um, task if an employee requests everything going back through the history of their employment, if they've been employed for a, a long period of time. But you know, it's an obligation under the Fair Work Act and, and, and breaching it is, um, is something that can lead to a penalty being issued. So it is important if you, you get one of those requests to jump on it straight away. Um, I think that is probably all we um, plan to say, unless Hannah's going to leap in with any... Other exciting facts about record keeping, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as we said at the start, yeah, it's not um, not the most exciting um, facet of employment law, but it's just one of those things which, if you if you're not doing it right, it, you can get in sort of big big trouble for 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 doing so. So it's it's really important to spend a bit of time. Um, thinking about your record keeping practices. As I say, if you need a summary of um, exactly what those are, head over to employmentinnovations.com uh, and under the resources tab, we've got a downloadable resource there to take you through it all. If you need any um, specific legal advice, you can of course reach out to Hana or myself um, at um, info at eilegal.com.au. Um, we've also got uh, a newsletter, um, so you can subscribe to that via our website, eilegal.com.au. Anything we've said today is intended to be general in nature and doesn't replace professional advice. So please do reach out if you need any assistance in any of these things. Um, Ahana, thank you as ever for your company and insights. Thanks, Simon, um, and thanks everyone for tuning in. Yeah, so we'll um, wish you farewell and we'll speak to you all very soon.